This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. This podcast was recorded on traditional Denizal land. For the piece, I am your host, Jenna Moreland, and I'm here with my co-host and producer of the podcast, Trey Lapashinsky. I miss you saying hostess with the mostest. <laughs> Should I say silly? that? I'm your hostess with the mostest. <laughs> <laughs> we finally got Trey Lacko. Yeah. Well, we kind of we had him before, but this is like an actual full episode so, for him. So I talked to him about it um, before we got into the episode. I was like, dude. In December, when you came in to help us with the wrap-up, like people were upset that we didn't do a full episode with you. He's like, yeah. yeah, I got a bunch of texts from people saying that you just kept talking the whole time. Like I was just, and I was, and that episode I definitely did for our year in review. We were just, just yeah, but that was the, the whole point. But it's yeah. just so interesting how sometimes your ideas or our ideas just don't don't work out. Tra- like translate, translate yeah. to the the viewer or the listeners, I guess. So it's just interesting because we had a full plan and then it just didn't go to plan. Well, the, the biggest <laughs> thing that happened, I think, is like we advertised it. Trail True, is that be was on wrong. it. Yeah. So we should have did Lesson your learned. interview with Trail. <laughs> yes. They had his picture and everything. And that was the biggest thing is people didn't listen. Or when they did, it was just like, wow, thought we were listening to Trail, but that try, Who are Trey these guy. narcissistic hosts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now we finally have it. He was fully on the podcast. Um, and it was, it was, it was interesting. It's a different vibe this episode because without you, it's just trail and I, and we just kind of bro down. Yeah. Like it's just a very bro conversation. Uh, we talked to him about being the drum apprentice and the cultural and heritage liaison for Doig river. I also asked him about his family upbringing experience growing up in Fort St. John. Um, what's he doing to keep his cultural traditions alive and so much more. I asked him a, a bunch of questions about everything and specifically drumming. So I talked to him how he, he got into it and, um, basically why and and that kind of journey for him um, we do want to do the drum episode so don't fret Jenna mm-hmm. I still want to do the drum episode yeah, with I Trail want and Sam and I want you to be there but I thought it was very pertinent to bring it up because for Trail it was important for him to, 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 to talk about drumming because he didn't do too much with his culture it seems like prior to, to being with with Doiger, like he wasn't fully like growing up. Growing yeah, yeah, up, yeah. Like he did. He was going to Doig all the time, and he was hanging out with his friends in Doig and doing things. But it seemed like he got fully immersed in in the culture and traditions when he started the job just last year. And now, mm. you know, he's he's very knowledgeable of what he's doing, and he's growing and um, learning more. But drumming seemed to be the constant for him in his tradition, like the link to to uh, Doig River over the years prior to him uh, working with Doig. Before that, he was in oil and gas um, just as a swamper. And then he told me, he said the reason he got out of that, like the money was good, 
but his soul was unfilled. Like he mm. felt like he oh, needed I just got more. Chills. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So it was a very interesting episode. It was it was really good, um, and I I just loved chatting with Trail a lot. And like I said, he's just like a homie to us at this point. So well, so he's kind of becoming what... a regular here at mm-hmm. Moose FM and EnergeticCity.ca. He he actually is going to be doing a show on Moose FM or already is yeah, already doing is. a show yeah. on Moose FM once a week on Sundays. And it's kind of, so it's called The Trail Ahead, which I love that name. I love that that name. And it's really going to be like cool because Trail kind of has the creative control over this. Mm -hmm. He can kind of do whatever he wants with the show. So it's going to be cool to see what he does. So tune into Moose FM Sundays at 1 p.m. to listen to Trail because I think it's going to be a cool show. Yeah. And it's essentially him on his journey of learning his culture and traditions and practicing these as well. And it's, it's kind of, you're along with him, right? And then he's going to have guests and he has, you know, a beaver word of the day. And it's, it's kind of an educational program, um, as well as just your typical radio show, right? Like I I really, really, I'm going to enjoy it. Maybe some new music, some, or some indigenous music just Mm -hmm. in general and like interviewing maybe some elders, like who knows what he's going to do. So it's, so tune in. Before we get into the interview with Trail, I do want to say we love when you guys send us these beautiful emails about how great we're doing, but we would love to, to get some feedback in terms of what you want to hear and maybe what you like or didn't like. So make sure you're emailing us at beforethepeaceatenergeticcity.ca for any comments or story ideas that you may have. Yeah, and make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Before the Peace and on Twitter at Before the Peace underscore. Um, Dan Davies actually followed us on Instagram the other day. Oh, Mr. MLA. We're starting to get some followers, so thank you guys. Keep it up. And of course, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of Troyer Ventures. Troyer has been serving our community and the energy industry with tank and back trucks since 2000. They're built on the principles of hard work, service, and community, and they're proud to offer the financial support to make this program possible. Also, shout out to Epscan Industries who are known for building excellence safely. All right, let's get into the trail episode. Yay. Yeah, I think from the game, the different climate up there. Um, yeah, because where was it? Was it my horse? Yeah, I just got back last night. Well, straight off the bat, you uh, you competed last week, or is it like this weekend? So it was just the weekend. Yeah. How'd you guys do? Uh, pretty good. Uh, we fucking we um we had three games. One our first one, and then it's a double knockout. So we lost our next two, and then we were out. But uh, we played two of like the best teams in our division. I think there was like sixteen teams. In the C division, there's A, B, old timers, oh, women's, yeah. like three or four kids. Um, not like second. different leagues, like yeah, different divisions. Like Bantam, you know, like sort of well, mainly adult and like just skill level based. But, oh, okay. Um, fifty six or fifty eight teams. What was the event called again? The uh, the Kilrich Yukon Native Hockey Tournament. So how was it like being in like an indigenous centered like league or like event like that oh, with dude, hockey? It was so sick. Like how was the vibe? Amazing, man. You walk yeah. up, talk to anybody. I met a bunch of dudes from Fort McPherson. Uh, met some of my buddies from Anuvik that moved down here like six years ago. And then um, yeah, we had like a big grand opening on the f- Saturday or no, Friday night. Mm-hmm. Like a big grand opening. Every, every team come out. They had... Um, Tlingit uh, dancers and drummers, and they're drumming us in, drum us out. 
That's so sick. Speeches. So, and, so like opening ceremonies, yeah, getting na- ready for the game. Yeah. That's so sweet. The national anthem in their local language. It was so, so cool. Well, the one thing I wanted to bring up about it, first off, is because it's fresh. And, and yeah, I know you said you were tired coming in, but um, what is it like? You don't see a lot of indigenous hockey players. Like, yeah, of course, you have like Ethan Bear, who is playing for the Oilers now, but like even in NHL or in Vancouver like those Canucks bigger now. leagues. Huh? Vancouver Canucks now. Yeah, he moved. Yeah, he got yeah. traded, right? Yeah. I think it was last season. But I mean, hockey's such a big part of the First Nation community, oh, right? Oh, huge. You hear oh, it all the time. On the way back, we stopped in Prophet River and they just got an indoor, outdoor rink. Like, it's a complete enclosed structure, but there's like openings, I guess. It okay. Super cool. We stopped in there. They had ice built. They have like this super cool like mini Zamboni. Oh, that's beautiful awesome. place. So maybe in like five or six or ten years there'll be some good hockey players. Yeah, because I know the Blueberry, Blueberry has a team. Yeah. They have an adult team that uh, that's travels the team around. On. They have three. They took three. One for each division. I was on the C division. Oh, okay. What, what's the name of the team? Blueberry Weekend Warriors. Weekend Warriors. Weekend that's Warriors. what it is. I remember when Clarence was in here because Clarence is one of the coaches. He, for the he was my right? coach. Oh, was he? Yeah. How was that being coached by uh, Clarence Obsessed? It's fun. He's kind of been like in a, like he, he's coached and been involved in all of like the youth, the native youth hockey teams since I was a kid. That's crazy. Like, that's how, like native tournaments is how I started playing hockey. Like the first time I ever actually was on a team was for Prince George native hockey tournament. So for you, seeing like, you know, there are, you know, in native leagues here in the Peace region, um, I mean, all across the country, do you, do you take that as a good thing or as a bad thing split up from some of these other leagues, right? Like you have your trackers and things like that. Not that there aren't there's any. There's full like native leagues. I thought there were. Nope, oh no. So this is just coming from communities that are a part yeah. of like certain. There is a the rural league, okay. but that's like north of town. So, so like. Uh, Buick Presbyterian. So for the weekend warriors, so they don't. Com- what league do they compete in? Don't just no. They just go to whichever like to these. Like, type yeah, of it's like tournament based. Everybody plays okay. in town or like will play together. Like I played in town. I play in town and Taylor with like, at least five of the guys on that team. So mm. we already know each other. We've all known each other. For That's a long dope. Time. So most of you guys grew up together. Yeah. So that must be awesome. Yeah, and then we the had tournament. a few import players, non-status players. <laughs> and then they're my buddies that I play with in Taylor. And then, um, yeah, a couple players, a couple young guys that were pretty good from Fort McPherson. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. And getting to meet some other, some other people your age and kind of vibe, right? Mm-hmm. That's so cool, man. Uh, so coming out of the tournament, like what was your, your favorite moment? Um, I scored a pretty sick goal. On Did the, you? I got, got to gas myself up. <laughs> pretty sweet goal, like a breakaway that I was just like, I was ripping as fast as I could and then like dangled the goalie and then I was like, woo, everybody. <laughs> and then um, the Weekend Warriors, like uh, all three teams, they were live streaming on Facebook, all three. Um, yeah, I saw uh, some clips. I was watching yeah. a little bit of it, yeah. Yeah, all three teams, every game was live streamed on like their, the Blueberry Weekend Warriors Facebook page. That's awesome. And then, um, yeah, and then they're like announcing my name, and they're like Trail Echo. And I was like, "Oh, this is so cool!" Sadly, I only scored once the whole tournament, but well, at least you got one, man. You're yeah. never gonna forget that goal. Yeah. So, have you played hockey since you were young? Uh, yeah, I started uh, skating like in Can Skate and Taylor when I was like eight, seven or eight, or yeah. younger than that. Do you play with any uh, like organized teams? Oh yeah, like, oh yeah, like minor hockey all since like Adams. Oh, yeah, so like Fort St. John minor hockey? Yeah, yeah. Fort St. John minor hockey. Uh, I played rep one year. And, yeah, I've been playing hockey ever since. I mean, yeah, most 
Canadian boys play hockey at some point. Yeah. I played when I was younger too until it was too hard for my mom to find skates and then I just went over to basketball and football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's an expensive dude. sport, man. Oh, dude, even now, like my wife wants to go skating and stuff like that and I cannot <laughs> find skates anywhere. The you last can rent them. Ah, uh, size 16s though? Oh. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. I got big feet, dude. I like the last time I had a pair of skates that were size 12. Mm-hmm. They did not fit me, hurt my legs so much. But I remember I didn't know that they weren't fitting me or that they didn't work before when I went to go get them sharpened, before I like went to the rink in Lloydminster and found out they weren't working for me. Mm-hmm. I go to Canadian Tire to get them sharpened. They could not sharpen the skates because they said they even tried the goalie like whatever it is the yeah whatever type of like format or thing they use to to sharpen the skates they're like they use the goalie one and they couldn't even Mm -hmm. it wouldn't even fit on Mm -hmm. that for a size 12 which was surprising to me because i feel like a lot of dudes have size 12 feet but yeah i know it's been hard for me playing hockey but you know i grew up with hockey boys in edmonton Mm -hmm. and it's it's always been uh a close knit culture. Obviously there are some negative things to hockey culture, but like, how was it for you growing up? Like, did you take any pieces of that playing in organized sports that have helped shape you as the person you are now? Cause you hear about it. Like it, it goes outside of sports with organized, mm-hmm. you know, leagues sometimes where it's like, you're also learning how to, um, persevere and things like that. I just had oh, an yeah. interview with a basketball coach, the Burt Bowes grade eight basketball coach. Uh-huh. They found out they were going to provincials like a week beforehand. Uh, I think it was last month mm-hmm. and raised $12,000 to head to provincials. Oh, yeah. And, but she was just talking about how the, the conversation was with the boys beforehand. Mm-hmm. And like, they didn't do well at the tournament, but they didn't even think that they were going to be going to provincials. Mm-hmm. So like talking with them on the bus ride home and, and having it as an experience for them that you're, you're going to remember at yeah. some point in your life. Like you never forget that. Like yeah. every team I've been on, whether it be soccer, football, basketball, hockey, I, you always have that moment where you're like something that you take away from it. Was there anything for you with organized hockey or organized sports in general where you're like, yeah, I got this from that, like learning this type of thing in my life where a coach said this to me. Was there anything like that for you? Sportsmanship, conduct. Yeah. Like know how to lose. Like some, like you learn the most from when you lose games. You're like, oh, well, could have like improved this. I could have made that pass. I could have took more time here. Or then when you do win, it's more of like, a, oh, yeah, we all won. Like, yeah, we together, so together, right? Yeah. Like, it's not just one person yeah. winning, it's together. Like, if you're losing, it's like, what do you do the next game? Yeah. Like, how do you improve your play or your play with the team yeah. to. I, I just, I love, you know, there's always negative things that are said about sports and sports culture, and I think things are changing, mm-hmm. but. There's just so many life lessons you can get from it, man. Mm-hmm. And I just keep having these conversations with people where, you know, you take it the, the losing mentality when you lose and not like not honing in on it and learning from it. Like that's, that's a life. Yeah. That's a, 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 a life, you know, rule to, to, mm-hmm. to implement something that can help you moving forward. Um, just, it's just a good thing that to anyone have that to have. And I think sports does that a lot for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Did you drive just by yourself? Uh, no, it's my cousin. Yeah. Did you, uh, so you didn't have to drive the whole way. Like you guys took turns. Yeah, we took turns. Yeah. Took turns driving there. We did it in one day, the first day. So we left, well, he lives 45 minutes North mm-hmm. or I don't know. Not, not 45. Yeah. About 40 minutes. North. Oh, he lives outside of Fort St. John. Yeah. Outside yeah. of Fort St. John. So I had a, I was in my truck driving at five in the morning. 
and then we did stay in Fort Liard, like soaking, just relaxing for about two hours. And then we ended up making it to Whitehorse at 12 that night. How far is the drive there? Uh, it's around 1,600 kilometers. Oh, my gosh. And then you just came back yesterday. Yeah. But well, we, thank we, you for coming in, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't do it in one day, though. Oh, okay. We stayed in Fort Nelson last night. Cause oh, we, okay. Not bad. We were all hurt and taking our time getting up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, it was like 9 o'clock rolling into Fort Nelson. Like, we're not going back to tonight. <laughs> so I want to talk a bit about uh, Doig. Obviously, culture mm-hmm. and heritage liaison for you're moving on. It's been about a year now. Yep. Before that, you said you were working in oil and gas right out of school. So what made you take the job at Doig? Uh, yeah, uh, an opportunity came up last spring to go to the University of Montana for two weeks um, at an event called Colang. I don't remember what it's abbreviated for, but it's yeah, collaborating on linguistics, language, and language preservation and revitalization for indigenous uh, languages. So then there's people from like all over the Western Hemisphere. I think I don't think there's anybody from like Europe or Asia or anything, but uh, yeah, I went there for two weeks, met a bunch of like everybody's PhDs, everybody's like PhD <laughs> candidates, and I'm just like, hey man, I'm I just like I know a little bit about my language, I know I I definitely want to be a part of help saving it, but like holy man, you guys are smart, and then yeah, um, I was hanging out with this uh, I can't remember his name right now, it's right on the tip of my tongue, but he was from. Uh, he studied and lived in Papua New Guinea, and there's it's like a island that's like I think he said two, two or five kilometers wide, twenty kilometers long, and there's like sixty distinct dialects wow. in that community. Like five minutes down the road, and you're com- can't understand people. And then um, the main language of that whole island is like a uh, language called Tok Pisin. Okay. Talk, yeah, it's spelled differently though. It's like a mix and like it like. Um, they explain how the language is now because it was shaped by multiple um, yeah a long history of colonization like from the British from the from the Spanish mm-hmm. and then from uh, I don't remember who else but it was like three different times that they completely switched like scrapped the whole almost education system and then started again with a different language and then teaching a whole country basically and that's why they have so many different dialects yeah so wow. yeah um but then yeah like that was that's just like one person that i met there and then uh yeah just seeing inspirational work from everybody every single person that was there there's hundreds of people there and i was like oh this is so cool and then um yeah, i made a lot of cool connections made a connection with um uh the uh the salish kootenai culture committee there's another word in there that i'm missing but uh uh ended up getting to go to their um language school immersion school or um program for a week and then um it was like a full bachelor's degree to become a salish language teacher and then um yeah i got copyrights and licensing to use the same curriculum that they use in um for beaver and they do it in like a it's like a full bachelor's degree takes three years Mm -hmm. of intensive language learning so then by the end of the three years you are fluent you can teach almost every subject in your native in that in salish Mm -hmm. and then i'm actually speaking of which i just came back from whitehorse i'm going back this saturday to meet the guy that built that curriculum oh really yeah because it's also being used all over the yukon so so hold up so let's go back to montana 
yeah. at that event. So how did you get into that event? Because this was when you were still a swamper working in the oil field, right? Mm-hmm. And so how did you get into that? And like, why did you want to go and do that? Uh, I don't know. I've always been like a part of like cultural stuff in the community. Like yeah. I drumming. My Uncle Sammy gave me a drum when I was little. Um, and then I've always just kind of been a part. Well, I've been a part of my own culture, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like always culturally active within Doig, Blueberry, Prophet, Halfway. Because we're all sort of sister bands mm-hmm. um, I was always um, involved and then the opportunity came up where they were able to send two people and then um, I fit some of the uh, not regulations what's it called the criteria yeah the like, criteria they're like somebody that's culturally active that has a passport actually I didn't have a passport at the time but I was like I can get one <laughs> and then um, yeah and yeah because you had like a week to get one didn't I you? had a month oh a month oh that's I had a fine. month so like once I found out when they were like yeah for sure are you, do you want to go? And I'm like, I don't have a password there. Can you get one? I'm like, I can try. <laughs> so it was like the next day I had like two days off, ripped to Edmonton. Yeah. And then was like waiting in those soup. That's just when like second year of COVID, I guess. Okay. Like so 2021. 2021. Yeah. No, I'm tripping. That's 2022. Oh, is that so last year you went yeah, to Montana? Yeah, last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then it was like COVID lineups or like COVID restrictions were lightening up. So everybody was getting passports. I was in passport lines for like five or seven hours. Got to the front, they were like, uh, I was like, can I get it fast track? They're like, yeah, for sure. Do you have proof of um, travel? And I was like, I have a plane ticket with my name on it. They're like, I don't know if that can work. And then they ended up being like, oh, actually, you know what? We can pull this. Okay, where's your passport picture? And I was like, I don't, I'm like, here. They're like, these are invalid. And I'm like, oh, man. So, But thankfully, they had a place I could get pictures right in Canada, a place in Edmonton. Man, you needed to go. And then everything yeah, aligned. Yeah, yeah and it I worked. Got, yeah, I did, yeah, all that jumping through hoops happened and then i got my actual passport like i think it was like five days before my flight oh that's why i probably uh, thought the week because i remember you Mm -hmm. telling me about that that's crazy man so you had this amazing experience you got sent through doig or was it uh treaty eight through doig through doig got sent to montana so when you came back how did it lead to the liaison position with doig um i came back and they had um like the whole language team and all the people that work in and with the culture department there we're kind of having a meeting and debriefing like me and amy were debriefing them my cousin amy is who um i went with we're debriefing them about what we did we like i don't know threw a few pictures in like a powerpoint slide and was like presenting everybody and i was like yeah this is like amazing i'm like it was so inspirational to see the work that's being done from here to mexico and south america all over um south polynesian islands and then um uh, and I was like, it was super inspirational. I'm like, and I don't, I'm like, whatever I can do, like, let me know what's, what's next. Like, what can I do with this information and the, um, inspiration that I have, like new, newly invigorated inspiration that I have for like cultural revitalization, language revitalization. Like, do you want to come work with us? And I was like, sure. And I was it was that easy. Yeah, they're like, well, so welcome to the culture department. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, sweet. So I, we will get into, you know, what you do at Doig a little bit after. But I remember when we had a, uh, our conversation a couple weeks ago, you said, you know, another reason for, you know, going to Doig and, and even, you know, going to Montana and, you know, practicing 
um, all these traditions throughout your life, you know, you're, you're still young. You're what? 22, 23, 23. And you're still in all these traditions. Not that no one isn't, but like at a young age, it's cool to see that you're still actively trying to keep your traditions alive, language alive, things like that. So prior to that, when you were, you know, just working on the oil field out of school, um, you know, obviously you're going to Doig sometimes still staying in the community, but was there anything missing? Cause I remember you told me, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, you said it felt like there was something missing from your soul. Like there's, it was almost like an unfulfilled feeling. Yeah. Is it fulfilled now working in this position? Oh yeah, man. It just oh, makes yeah. every day just makes me want to do it more. Like it's like, it's like, yeah, sure. Like it's, it's a job, but it's like something I'm passionate about. So it's like not really a job. It's yeah. just, I'm doing things that I'm like, think is so much fun and like, Every time you talk about the position at Doig, dude, it gets me so stoked and so happy for you yeah. because, like, a lot of people in our lives are striving for that, mm-hmm. right? We want the job where it's, like, it doesn't feel like a job because we love it so much. And yeah. it's just so cool that you get to do that while being a vital part of your community, right? Like, you're trying to keep traditions and culture alive. So, Every day is an adventure for you at Doig, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, it's new every day. So, give me some, like, highlights of, like, what you do in the liaison position. Liaison. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a liaison. I think I'm a cultural assistant is my full... Okay, is it assistant to cultural? Because uh, we, I have cultural and heritage liaison. Because you cultural, assist... Cultural heritage and language department liaison. Assistant. Assistant, okay. But I don't know. Wear many hats, I guess. I'm a drum group coordinator. So, like, I'm in charge of booking them. Uh... Like people reach out and they're like, hey, can we get the drummers to come to this event? Or can we get them to travel to uh, Fort Nelson? Uh, what's coming up soon? Uh, a couple of flag raising ceremonies in Grimshaw and F- Fairview or Valley View? I don't know. Uh, somewhere over there. but like It's probably Valley View. Yeah, where they're going to be raising the Treaty 8 flag and uh, Métis flag. Me and my wife have a friend who... Um teaches she's an indigenous teacher in valley view and apparently the community there i don't know which bands around there but i know there that was a band in valley view the town used to be where a the band reserve itself? was it was yeah i think it was the dunvegan um reservation i don't know what like, yeah i'm not too sure yeah, yeah. but uh like, but it would make sense that it would be in Valley View. I didn't know it was yeah. man i'll have to look into yeah. that for sure because okay. that's super interesting yeah, got some sort of sort of um Sort of relatives over there. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I've known them since I was little. But yeah. So you're organizing the uh, the drummers, which you're a part of. You're a drummer, mm-hmm. uh, drummer's apprentice. Yeah. Uh, and then you're also working with um, archiving language too, correct? Or working what you guys have in the archive. Like, wh- yeah, you yeah. have to explain it. Um, so what are you doing with with language? Language. Yeah. Um, I help okay. because. The, there's two ladies I work with. Well, all the ladies I work with, like including my mom, mm-hmm. um, Shirley, my auntie Annie, um, my cousin that I just went to White Horse with, his mom, Madeline. Uh, she's pro. Oh, she's deadly. And <laughs> my cousin Amy. And then um, Amy and Madeline have done schooling for, like, they went to school for online school, like, during COVID, like, uh, for linguistics, um, a bunch of other courses that I can't even name right now. So they're. Like, Amy is the one who's making the little drums? Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you get one? Uh, no, I didn't ask her. She was. I think she said she was going to make me one. I'll have to next time yeah. we go down there. She's she's cool. She's yeah. deadly. <laughs> yeah, she's deadly. Um, but yeah, they're like they're the pros when it comes to the language work because we work with um, a couple of linguists. One from uh, Germany. I forget which school she's at with Germany, and then um, another fellow, Pat Moore from UBC, 
and we do twice a week um, Zoom, call, Zoom calls with them to do rapid word collection to collect as much data and words that we can while we can, like while there's still elders, while, um, yeah, before we lose any elders that might remember a word that they only heard when they were a kid. I remember that happened about a month ago. They were listening to an old, uh, an old recording, and then, were, and then Billy was like, oh, I haven't heard that word since I was little. Like, yeah, that's and then I was like, Oh, yes, that's so cool. Like, <laughs> like without that little interaction there, that word might, might be lost in the next 10 years. So, uh, yeah, just wow. doing rapid word collection right now, working on building a dictionary and on the um, this uh, you guys have a, a database, right? Where you put all the language to is that what it is? Uh, yeah, so we, you're making a dictionary, you're also doing some other stuff for uh, curriculum. curriculum, yeah, yeah, we're working on like college level that's a curriculum I got from Montana, and then um, uh education packages for all the younger kids too, like up to grade four of like just like um a list of words and we'll have activities to go with each word it's all and like games crosswords um all that stuff and what's that curriculum for is that helping with school district 60 or is that like the learning because you guys have like an education center on doig we right we will it's okay is it going to be built in the new where the daycare is now that new facility or what's it called the no because that's house. the prayer house right the prayer yeah house. the prayer house is on top and then like in the basement is area the daycare is right? the daycare okay so yeah. where's the education center going to be it'll be you know there's um portable trailers there now but it'll, oh i didn't see that there were trailers there before it's been a couple months since i've been a yeah. um but yeah i think i don't remember when we're going to do the groundbreaking first groundbreaking maybe in may that'll be that'll be huge yeah. so you guys will be part of helping um, come up with the curriculum. Obviously, Doig will be coming up with the t- curriculum, but are you working in partnership with School District 60? Yeah, we have done partnerships with School District 60 and um, uh, like meetings with them all the time and getting um, um, this curriculum that we're working on now into schools and just having like elders come in and talk like similar to the uh to any school district 60 school so like yeah, dr kearney like oh, okay that's sweet that's sweet so you're working with the um i forgot her name but the school district 60 indigenous principal is that her pat? title pat yeah pat pat jensen yeah pat jensen isn't that yeah she's a principal of uh isn't that the title i don't know we tried uh, to uh, i've talked to her before she's like the top dog of the um indigenous education yeah center. and then i'm um, yeah, we're working with her, uh, having Doig Day coming up and having like a pre, like sending out, um, I think we're sending out pre, like before the kids go there, they'll have like the day before the field trip out to Doig. Um, they'll have like, oh, you guys are going to learn about um, uh, um, scraping, like, like moose head work. Yeah. That's like, like we have stations of, so they learn the whole process. And we'll have like a moose hide at every stage. Do you keep them out there scraping it the whole time so they know how hard it is? <laughs> oh yeah, oh dude, it's, it's, dude. I haven't even done it, but I've I've seen some people do it. There's oh man, it oh, looks yeah. so so. It is hard. hard, and like I've got shown up by elders time and time again. Oh yeah, like because the the only person I've seen do it, it was the Saqua documentary that um oh Mabel Hard yeah, yeah yeah it was Mabel and I was at the Lido when they aired the documentary and she's talking about it and doing the scraping you could just see what with, with, with technique she's talking about the technique and the mm-hmm. pressure going down it just and it's a big piece of moose hide mm-hmm. that takes sometimes like weeks two weeks two weeks on it's average crazy. for one and, person every day and yeah that is and that's a couple hours scraping too right yeah because you got to make sure that you get all the hide off and then um, all the flesh off the inside of the hide, oh, yeah. all the hair, and like, 
um, outside. I don't know what the, the, the layer of skin that holds your hair. You got to get that all off mm-hmm. and then get it right down to like a few. The epider- epidermis? Epidermis, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we, we ain't talking about definitions here. We're talking about indigenous <laughs> culture and history. So... Basically, so if there's any events going on, say you guys have something happening at the T Arbor, is that your department's um, con- like organizing that event too? Some of them. Okay. Yeah, um, a lot of in, like different departments will hold different events down mm-hmm. there. A lot of partnerships between oh, yeah. departments. Yeah. yeah. We'll all get together and do a, uh, I don't know, planning together. Be like, hey, like, what can you do? What can you do? Um, and then what can we all bring together to make this event the best? So it just seems like in your position and, you know, a couple of, of uh, tons of the posi- all the departments within DOIG yeah. are, are working to not only sustain the First Nation, but also, you know, to keep, again, we'll keep saying this throughout the podcast, but uh, culture and traditions alive. Mm-hmm. You know, how important is that for you? Because you even said before you were even at DOIG, when you were going to Montana, you heard about, you know, language revitalization and you had that interest Mm -hmm. and now you have a job where you're actively working to do this one how fulfilling is that and two how hard is that like on a daily basis to like would you call your job hard because i mean you think about it the work you guys are putting in is for the future right and it's to keep the language alive like if that for instance you gave the example of that one word if you guys never heard that if that didn't come up then that word's potentially lost and now you wouldn't I guess know that, mm-hmm. but it could be something where it could be seen as a negative. So, do you kind of have that thought process, or you're not thinking negatively? It's like every day you guys are working your butts off to try and make sure that you know everything's set up for the future. On top of you know culture and traditions are staying alive now yeah. and moving into the future, right? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I, th- I think it's super positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, obviously, like. Any anybody working with indigenous cultures and like or working and knowing about indigenous issues across Canada into the states, it is pretty. Uh, I don't know, like beat you down, man. Like like the MMIW movement, um, well, movement, well, not movement, epidemic, really. Yeah. Um, mental health epidemics, like up north, it's uh, it can be really disheartening. But then you get like a glimpse here and there of like a. When we were doing that grand opening, there was this um, uh, this young lady doing that finished uh, uh, master apprentice language program, um, and sang the entire national anthem in Southern Tashoni, and then that like it's like little moments like that just like fire like keep the fire in your <laughs> chest going, and you're like okay we can persevere anything we've That's as so, native people so everywhere. That was in Montana, sorry. Oh no, that was that was this weekend, man. Oh, was this was Friday. at the hockey tournament. Yeah, this is Friday. Oh man, it's past Friday. When you look at all, you know, you mentioned it, when you look at all the, you know, bad things going on, um, because it it seems like, especially after the two sixteen, um, you know, obviously a lot of us, you know, non indigenous people, um, I don't know, why I put myself in there because I'm at, but non indigenous people in general kind of learned about it when the 216 came out. And now I think it's more top of mind. It's being talked about more. It's, you know. The publicity about it is cool. Yeah. Businesses are being culturally conscious. 
and I know communities or probably indigenous people in general are probably frustrated because this isn't something new to your communities, Mm -hmm. but do you see it as a positive, like we're moving in a good direction? Um, just as a whole, yeah, as a it's society, the first step in a good direction. It's the first step in educating everybody about um, Canada's true history. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the real history of residential schools, day schools, the '60s scoop, um, all of that. But then uh, at the same time, like having those conversations, like especially with elders that have firsthand experience that it can be triggering for them, and like you don't want to make them uncomfortable or, or bring up those feelings that, like, you know like uh i don't know how else to say it other than like having like a flashback making them relive it Mm -hmm. like that trauma right it's like a trauma flashback i mean i'm not a doctor but i would say it's in the realm of ptsd oh yeah 100 percent. right it's just probably not diagnosed that way but i mean generational trauma is i I assume and it fits within that realm right Mm -hmm. like there is pieces like that so when you're speaking with elders do they think it's going in the right direction with what's going on with, with you know, media talking about it more, businesses, again, being more uh, conscious of uh, who they're hiring, mm-hmm. what they're doing to support other groups. I mean, some people can see it as it being a selling point for some major businesses who are doing these orange shirts and mm-hmm. things like that. But in my head, I think it's a positive because now it's being a norm, right? So like residential schools orange shirt day like these conversations are now becoming a norm they're becoming mainstream which i find is a good thing because now the mass majority of the country specifically in canada are now knowing what's going on i don't think you can go to anyone who's non-indigenous and bring up uh you know residential schools and they wouldn't know Mm -hmm. unless they really tried not to yeah you know what i mean so when you're speaking with elders, has anyone, and I don't know if they're keeping up with it, but have you talked with any elders and are, are they thinking that we're moving in the right direction as a society as well? Oh yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Cause like, um, probably like in the, um, I don't know, certain like ages of elders, like when they were growing up, they weren't, it wasn't like, they didn't show off that they were native. They were, it wasn't, they had, um, some were trying to hide it. Yeah, it was yeah. taught that they shouldn't have pride and shouldn't be proud of who they are. And then now, two, three, four generations after, like, one of the deadliest things you can be is indigenous, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, now just, it's you know. It's such a big flex. Like, wearing this, like, check out this sweater, man. Dude, this, that's, so it is so this. sick. I do some of the clothes you bring in, I'm like, dude, I want to. Uh, I've got some yeah. new stuff. Dude, man, the Vans one you brought in. Uh, no, it's the champion sweater. It was a champion sweater. Champion that was sweater. so sick. I like that one too. Yeah. Okay, we'll have, we'll have to talk about our, our, our fit later on. But uh, yeah, no, it's cool. And like you're saying, shirts, like everyone is wearing it on their chest, whether it be mm-hmm. literally in clothing or practicing their yeah. language or whatever. You know, I I go to Doig and, and I go to any community. Even when I was in Blueberry um, speaking with Sandra Obsessed. and Did like, you get to see me? I didn't get to meet May. Oh, I wanted to. So I kept hearing that I she's needed to meet May. Yeah, I, I keep hearing she's great. Yeah. And uh, Sandra and I talked about her a little bit for the listeners out there. May is Sandra's mom, and Sandra is Judy Desjardins' mom, and Judy is the chief of Blueberry River First Nation. But yeah, I heard that um, May was like is awesome. So eventually, I want to do another podcast with May yeah. and have Sandra there just in case. But yeah. um, just. So we're talking about things that we could actually talk about and things like that. But yeah, even, you know, going to Blueberry, everyone seems happy, man. And it's just, you know, I I think 
obviously there's so much to point out that's negative and there is um, so much more healing to do, but it's just really cool that like me, I'm visibly Mm non-Indigenous and I can go to, you know, any of these first nations and it's cool that, you know, we just chat. Like yeah. there's, there's like, I don't even get like a look, you know what I mean? Like even here in Fort St. John, just being six, nine, 300 pounds going into the mall, I'll get people staring at me all the time. But if I go to a first nation community, blueberry, doig, uh, I've been to Soto profit, you, you go in there and it's, it's, I don't get that feeling. It's just like, it's more so, Oh, Someone different. Let's chat. You yeah. know what I mean. And I just think that is yeah. such so a welcoming. There, cool. Yeah, who your parents are. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It, it's welcoming, right? Or like, yeah, or just an elder coming up and cracking a joke about me being a tall white guy or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? It's just, I think it's really cool, and it it needs to be talked about more and more. Which is basically why we're doing this podcast yeah. to not only see, you know, yeah, there's there's healing to do. There's a lot of negative in the past. There's gen, uh, generational trauma, but things seem to be moving in a good direction and you're a piece of that dude like how like growing up did you ever imagine that you would have a piece in your culture like forever even if you decide to go back to oil and gas or whatever you still for a year and a bit or even before then when you were just Mm -hmm. you know going into your community or when you were started practicing uh, your drum when sam gave you a drum when you were young like you're always going to be a part oh, of your culture. Oh, my culture will always be yeah. a part of me, no matter what I do. And then I think I've told that to like all of my past employers. I'm like, hey, man, if there's, listen, I have duties. I carry a drum. I have duties as a drummer to whenever there's a funeral and we're called and requested, I have to go there. And they're like, you know what? Go ahead, Trill. Just That's pretty look. cool. And I'm like, yeah. oh, man, you guys are so pimping. Don't have to force me to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. What are you learning right now as uh, in Doig? Like, what are you guys doing actively right now? Because, like I said, you guys are doing so much. You're talking about language revitalization. You you do a lot of traveling, going to different events. Yeah. Um, you're working with the curriculum. I, that's a big thing that you just mentioned. That's a big thing you guys are working yeah, on right now. Yeah, it's huge, and that's honestly beyond me. Like, I just yeah. I just make Help it. out with it, right? Yeah, I help out. So I, is that what you guys are doing right now, like, is still working on the curriculum? Oh, yeah, that's oh, been okay. going on for years. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, Rapid Word Collection has been going on for years, something we're doing on now. Um, and you guys have an archive for DOIG, too, right? Oh, yeah, we just went through um, a process, yeah. Um, uh, remediation? There's another R word that I'm looking for. Repatriation of the Riddington Dunaza Archives. Oh, my um, God. Robin Riddington, cool guy. Um, he is a... Um, an anthropologist that came up here in like the 60s okay, and then ended up studying us, recording us. And if, thanks to him, he is the reason that I know what my grandpa's voice sounds like oh. and can sing the exact same song from a recording that my grandpa sang. Uh, how long is that? 60 years ago? 70 years ago? Yeah. So you were just and then, super duper stoked talking about your language and the job and everything. You've been stoked this whole time. Yeah. How stoked were you when you heard your grandpa's voice oh, dude, this singing is a, that song? A long time. This is when but I was e- a kid. But even then, man, like, were you? Did you have some feelings about it? I, or, I didn't understand or, nah, the okay. weight of it when yeah. I was little. Like, I was like, like my mom put on like, um, um, this CD, and then it's like singing, like old school singing. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is a good song. I'm like, I know a few of these words that he's speaking. And then now that I'm older, I'm like, damn, like that's. That's that's old man Ackle right there. That's, <laughs> that's the man that I got my last name from. Were you drumming 
when this when you first heard this song or was this after because like when did sam first give you your drum oh i don't remember no okay. i don't remember i just remember always having it like this yeah from when i was like too little to remember i got a drum my brother got a boat um and he's like yeah you're gonna be a hunter you're gonna be a drummer and is your brother still using the boat it's hanging up in his living room right now that's pretty cool yeah it's super cool because yeah i seen it the other day and i was like man that thing's <laughs> like all the bows i've tried to make like when we're out camping in the summer like first pull poof, breaks and hits me in the face <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah i didn't understand the gravity of like what those recordings mean and then now i have a hard drive in my desk that has like terabytes of have data. you been able to sing that song that your grandpa has yeah yeah so i mean i know there is there's feeling and and a lot that goes into drumming but is there anything different doing it with you know your grandfather like knowing that like you've never you never met him right no he passed away in 1973 so you never met him but you're you're still carrying along his legacy as an echo, as a drummer, being able to practice his songs. Man, that just gave me the, like, my skin, <laughs> I, I'm all bumpy now because that just sounds so crazy. That that sounds like the essence of drumming. Yeah. Right? Is to relive, yeah, relive, relive those, your the, ancestors. The songs haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't compose new songs. All of our songs come from dreamers, and dreamers get the songs from the other side, uh, whatever whatever that means to you they dream they go to the other side talk with other dreamers that have maybe already passed on or that are living hundreds of kilometers away and then they share songs and then bring them back was your grandpa considered a dreamer i'm not sure okay maybe i've heard a few people be like yeah he was but uh he was definitely a powerful man uh as you um i've heard that uh like anybody would just show up to his house and he's like here put this in your hot water and boil it and drink that and you'll, you'll be you'll feel okay tomorrow and then like so but he wasn't actively a healer or anything but he just I he was he, uh, uh i'm not sure what it was no label was. on it essentially yeah, right like people knew what about. he was okay uh what he did with his um like close to 100 years on this earth damn. um yeah damn man and you're still in 2023 you're learning about your grandpa and you're able to Yeah, like learning new things now. I you know, it's 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 sad in a way, but I, I think if you look at it differently and just where we're at, I think that's just so powerful and so yeah. cool, man. Like that you you know, I don't know anything about really my my ancestors other than, you know, what my grandma has told me or my grandpa and things mm-hmm. like that. But it's so cool that not only did your ancestors, your ancestors in general, but like, you know, that your grandpa, you know, fit into the community and helped the the community and was a big part of the community. Like you said, a powerful man, you're still getting to learn from him. You're getting to sing his songs like so many years down the line. That's just such a cool thing. Did you ever think when you first, you know, picked up the drum? Well, I'm guessing you were super young when that happened, but I mean, maybe, you know, coming out of, uh, your teens when you were picking up the drum do you do you have those thoughts about your ancestors like what's when you're drumming a song what's what's going through your head what's the feeling that you have i'm just trying not to mess up but, <laughs> uh, what like, yeah, like when we start i'm like okay i'm like amped up i'm like excited i'm like okay let's get going and then after a while um like the physical like i'm uh i guess i have to explain what i'm doing I'm like holding i'm pretending to hold my drum and drum on it right now <laughs> after a while I don't have to think about it. Like my hands just go and 
it's like um when you're holding it there and then everybody else starts drumming you can feel every other drum through like vibrating through yours and it's it's something crazy and then after all you start drumming and then you don't have to think about the beat you just go along with the song and then you think about this same song has been sung for hundreds of years maybe and it's like each song has a different meaning. Every song has a meaning. You're, Every you're, song has a purpose. Do you ever think of... Every song has a story. ...where the dreamer was or like what their thought process was thinking through that song? Like that too, right? Like each song has a story. Mm-hmm. Each song has a different meaning, a different purpose. And the dreamers like filtering it through them to come up with these songs. Do you ever think about them? You might not know them oh, by name or who they are, but do you have that like kind of sense that almost you're connected in a way by singing these songs? Oh, yeah. There's this dreamer named Gaian. Um, I'm not sure how much I can share, mm-hmm. um, but um, he is... We're good to talk about dreamers and things like that too, right? Like kind of like what they do. I know we can't go into specifics. tradition. You know? Yeah, tra- yeah, traditions. Yeah, okay, I'll, okay. I'll tell you. Okay. Hey, there's guy Gaia. Um, I don't remember how long ago he lived. All I know is long, long ago. Um um, he is currently buried somewhere in Montney along the creek okay. in there. And we're looking, trying to find it. They found his grave a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And then that was before GPS. Or, yeah, um, it was just on maps and it was marked a little wrong. So, um, like, springtime pretty soon here, we're going to go and, like, find his, where he was buried because of the story. He's like, he was going across the creek and then he knew it was his time to go. And then he just fell off his horse and then they took him about 300 meters up the hill and buried him right there. So he's just where our old reserve used to be, where the old Monty Reserve used to be. But um, he's had songs we've sang, his same songs. Uh, like 10 years ago, we had a tea dance in a farmer's field that allowed us to go there. We had a tea dance and sang his songs where he lived, well, not where he lived, because he was like semi-pneumatic, but <laughs> where he, near where he was buried, and it mm-hmm. was like the most powerful thing. Uh, last summer, uh, Prophet River invited me to their cultural camp. And there was this fellow named Sam St. Pierre, who I think was a dreamer. He's definitely a, a really, like, important drummer. Um, I, and I have recorded Robin Winnington's recordings of him drumming and just a voice out of this world. It was like the high notes he could hit was just amazing. But we were drumming and singing his songs um, on the banks of the Minaker or Minaker River, like, within half a kilometer of his grave, singing his songs still like decades and decades later and it's like the most powerful thing ever man it's it's beautiful so after you kind of got down the rhythm of the drum you're talking about you know all these thoughts that are going through your head kind of while you're drumming so does it change like you're saying it changes each time where you're you're does the feeling because say you get a song that you've learned maybe you know of the dreamer that it came from but you don't know kind of the background to the song or when it was sung you just know that it's been sung for Mm -hmm. a long time is there different thoughts you have with each song? Like, is there almost, do you ever hear a song that you might've heard of for the first time and have maybe a different idea of what it means to you as opposed to maybe your, your uncle does Sam like for songs uh, or is it like he, specific to each one? Like they have to each one. Okay. Like, yeah, they make sure that you, like, um, if you ask like, Hey, what, what was that song? Like who did it come from the heels of say who it came from about when they dreamed of it? Um, what the purpose of it was there's um like songs praying for good weather in the winter there's mm-hmm. um songs praying for i think for wildfires one for war um around world war Two. there was a dreamer that was like this will protect us mm-hmm. um which uh, 
Oh shit, you're going tomorrow there. I wish I knew it like word for word. That's mm-hmm. what I need. That's my job is to get it like as a young drummer is to get it, get these stories of each song word for word so that they continue to go unchanged as they have before. Yeah, and you're going to be learning songs for the rest oh, of your life oh, while yeah. you're drumming, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, and like even with your position at Doig, like you're going to, you know you're going to be forever learning, right? It's yeah. it's like a with, lifelong with battle. With or without to, the position in Doig, I'll be learning these yeah. songs. Yeah, and it, it's like, Yeah, outside of whatever job you have, you know, where I want to turn it over as, you know, an individual, as an indigenous person, do you feel a weight on your shoulders to um, help revitalize the culture and make sure that it's alive? Like, because I've heard from so many people and I would assume that it's going to be that way is it's a it's a lifelong battle Mm -hmm. to um you know, practicing your culture, keeping it alive, making sure that you're in tune with your culture and what's going on and making sure others are as well. Do you feel some sort of weight or is it, oh, you yeah, know, man. yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's sort of intimidating. Like when you, if you like sit with that thought long enough, of, mm. oh man, I've got to learn this. I've got to keep this alive or else it will die within my, like within my generation. Like that's, is a scary thought that does run across my mind often. Like I've had conversation about it yesterday but then when like you said about that one word that yeah. billy heard that he hadn't heard from when he was a kid and billy's what in his 70s he's in his 80s, 80s and you have that crazy feeling of yeah. like oh my god oh, like yeah. this could have been lost yeah all you got to do is like step in the band office and then somebody there's making coffee have a conversation with them they're like they're like yeah you know uh keep going you're, you're doing good and then like yeah, that's what I was going to say. So you're you're working towards like those type of feelings like yes, this is a step. Like mm-hmm. this is a this is a milestone. Like even just that one word. Yeah, sometimes you I don't realize say, it and oh, you yeah. go like weeks or months without seeing any progress and then somebody'll come up and talk to me and be like, "Hey, like you're doing a lot better than the last time I chatted with you. Like, like good for you. Keep on going. You're doing good." And like uh reassure you, like the reassurance you get from that is just like it's the best. Yeah, I was gonna say so. So keeping you going is mm-hmm. not only your your passion and your drive for your culture, but also your elders and, and the your community. Yeah, and the community and whole as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Is just helping you along too, right? Where you can go. So and and I've kind of seen you where if an elder's talking at Doig, even if you're like not a part of the conversation, but you're like there, you'll sit and listen. Mm-hmm. Like, is that something you're always actively doing? You're sitting there and listening well, and yeah, seeing man. what you can take in. Yeah, well, of course, like I want to uh, like you know remember those stories or maybe if like it's not recorded somewhere like come up to them after and be like hey can we record that story um well you got so many or you now. just want to be nosy and you just want to like, yeah, just just know. figure it out that's like hey that's a well cool. and you you got so many cool people around you to mm-hmm. learn from with you know we mentioned billy we mentioned sam we had uh, jerry Atachi. Yeah. you know there's so many elders that you can you can draw knowledge from oh, yeah. that that helps you your job too right and like mm-hmm. does it inspire you to see these elders who are still you know you say billy's in his 80s and he's still he's like our, he's our language guy yeah and he's you know he's actively you know he could probably call or quits since i know he lives on doig right doesn't he mm-hmm. live in the house like right outside of doig i think you were telling me that is it billy where's anyways oh that's matter. jack oh, it was jack Jack's jack, a jack. Protein. yeah so but for for billy and just any of these elders like they can probably call it quits but they're actively going does that inspire you as well to oh, yeah. see like yeah. like i said lifelong battle yeah. right i mean but to them there is no calling quits there's like, mm-hmm. like the culture and like um speaking language and like it's natural to them. doing yeah doing yeah. cultural practicing cultural activities like trapping or hunting or going out and uh like picking berries in the summertime or mm-hmm. whatever 
that's that's not something that they just call it quits. That's that's everyday life. That's it's like an objective truth. Yeah. To them, they They're don't just turn it off and on. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not something you can just turn on. It's, yeah, it's the way life. Is. It's something you're you're actively always practicing, and and yeah. and to them, they're not even thinking of like, oh, I'm practicing this. Oh, I'm keeping the language alive. Yeah, like, it's no, just it's I'm their just life. I want to go fill up my freezer. I'm, yeah. Uh, I I want uh, I want some good tea, so I'm gonna go get some. Uh, I want some uh, like smudge. I want some fungus, and go 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 get some. Being immersed in your culture has that helped you be more self sufficient in your life? Do you think? Because I think you know talking with, well, you got to think like yeah. you know trapping and hunting and and all these practices that you know I'm not going to say they're dead, but they're not practiced as as much, especially yeah. here in uh, the Northeast. But do you think? Um, you know, hearing from elders of all these things that they were doing growing up with their parents. And, you know, I know you were, you were raised here in Fort St. John, but you were always Doig River member, always going to Doig. Yeah. Speaking to these elders and learning what they did to be self-sufficient, just not even elders, but just indigenous communities mm-hmm. still to this day, seeing how they're self-sufficient, not only as individuals, but as communities. Has that inspired you as all, uh, uh, at all as well in your life of like, hey, it's up to me oh, too? Oh, so much. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, um, if I, if I want some some uh, uh, if I want some good burger to make hamburger helper with, like go I'll go to my freezer and get moose burger that I got <laughs> last fall. Um, but then others, yeah, self self sufficient stuff. Uh, feeling more self sufficient. It's like um, I met this fella from Fort McPherson. I don't I don't even remember his name. You're I, not good with names, Trail. We no, just I'm know terrible. this one. <laughs> but they have full they have like practiced full sovereignty over their traditional territory and they're like um uh really really taking care of their caribou because that's like the main migration is Mm -hmm. up there up in i think they're in nwt a little bit somewhere that way um (laughs) uh, uh, he pointed in a direction just so you know (laughs) yeah um but yeah like seeing sovereign like food sovereignty in other places like i was on vancouver island i was like oh man like what do you guys like? I ended up like I was trying to go. I was just going res to res straight up, and I was like, like, like uh, I got some moose meat with me. I'm like, I got some dry meat. Do you have some fish to trade? And they're like, oh no, we don't. Like we don't. Uh, we're like our fish populations are too like damaged and low right now, so like we're not actively like getting any excess. Like we'll get like a little bit for like ceremony when they have potluck they're down there, and then I'm like, oh man, it's um, it's worrying. But then at the same time, it's super inspirational to see that a lot of other indigenous communities across the province because that's there's never been a community that i've lived in where i've cared about food you know what i mean like just just to kind of put that out there like i've never grew up caring about that like having to worry about it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it is definitely interesting you know you say you're going to community to community res to res and you're you're hearing these things and these communities have to care about that they have to actively know which is it's part of that self-sufficiency yeah Yeah, they can go to the store sure yeah but will their grandkids know how to tradition how their ancestors and or will their will their kids know they'll obviously know the stories of how their ancestors like harvested herring eggs Mm -hmm. will they be able to practice that like, like, um, to have like stories of harvesting, um, sustainably, not just be stories, but to be actively practiced is like, uh, something that I've noticed a lot of places. And I'm like, yeah, do that. 
teach those little kids. <laughs> and so it's it's it makes it's so happy. it's it makes me happy, and I'm hearing it from a th- for a third hat account, right? Like, yeah. it's just you hear so many stories, and it's so different community to community. Like even in the province, right? Like, and you've visited different communities, yeah. and you could see like even, each I got situation to take is different. In Montana, like just uh, probably about an hour and a half north of where the Yellowstone Ranch is, I was in a field in the Southern Rocky Mountains, I think. Picking blue camas. I was like, this is so sick. This is, um, uh, lady, she's like a uh, teacher down there. And her kid, she speaks nothing but her language to her kids. Like, they only converse in Salish. And then, um, her name is Aspen Decker. And then, yeah, they practice traditional, um, harvesting methods. And we're out there with all her kids. And then they're just like, the, her little, um, the little girl was probably about five years old. She's like looking at me, looking at me like I was dumb. And I was like, I am like, straight <laughs> up. I don't know what I'm doing. And then she like grabbed my hand and she's like, "Look for this blue flower and go down." And then you gotta put your stick in like this and bust it out. And then it's like a little small onion, garlicky looking thing, but it's like starchy like a potato. Huh. And you can eat them right there, but then it's, it's a little bit tough to chew. But and it was super cool just to see. And then we found wild garlic too. They're like they're like this big. Like if you got small pinkies, it's the size of your uh, pinky nail. <laughs> Man, the experiences that you've had, man, even yeah. just even within the last year, but like going on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Montana, how it kind of sparked that, uh, you know, before then, you know, you grew up in Fort St. John. Mm-hmm. Uh, your mom is a Doig River First Nation member, right? Yeah. Your dad, where's your dad from again? My dad is born in Bonneville. Okay. Um, Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my dad also has close ties to Doig because my dad's stepfather, John Oker, is like uh, my mom's second cousin okay and he was like old pro cowboy i still hear stories to this day he passed away a few years ago um, about like how he could weld anything he did everything he fixed his own cars pulled motors out put them back in and then he could just do things on this one really tall black horse i found a picture of it a little while ago that horse was just his best friend you say this is your dad right uh yeah this is my dad's oh, okay my dad's um Stepfather. Oh, the stepfather. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, I grew up with him, knowing him as my grandpa John. Yeah. And, and then s- John is Jack Scotty's brother. Oh, really? I get to hang out with like almost daily now. So. Because Jack is Jack just an elder or is he? I forgot. Is Jack Jack is is he part of the drums? Yeah, he, yeah, he is. He, drums. He's a drummer. Okay. He's an elder. He's. Um, I think I always confuse Billy. And he was Jack. a guide up at Bessa River. Um, if you ever drive through Buck and Horse, that's. Mm-hmm. Um, where Bus River Outfitters used to be, and he just loves driving up north because his daughter is actually Valerie Valerie Scotty, who was oh okay, brother. yeah, I yeah. know who Valerie. So going back, so how did your dad and your mom meet? Did you because of that connection? Was your yeah, dad in Doig? I think so. Yeah, my dad was just close proximity to Doig. Always grew up like I drove. He was just always come over because of his stepfather always coming to Doig like for visits, vacations, mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah. like that, and yeah. just ended up meeting your mom. Yeah. So. Um, your your dad's white, right? Mm-hmm. And then so your mom's Doig River First Nation. So you guys, I'm guessing, once they got together, they moved into Fort St. John into the city, and then you grew up here, you and your siblings. Mm-hmm. How is life like in Fort St. John, like growing up? Because I've heard a lot of things even before you were growing up, where it was you know the wild wild west, it a lot of a lot of a lot of racism, a lot yeah. of things like that. I've definitely heard accounts of that. Yeah. Do you think it was the same for you, for your generation too? Uh, like you said, you're 23. Bad. No, definitely not as bad. Like the stories I've heard from um, just generations before me, they're like, oh yeah, like it was it was rough going to school. Like you, um, I don't know. Yeah, school was rough. Just being in town was bad. Um, being called racial slurs all the time. Yeah. 
racism, like just old racism. And then um yeah, I heard those. You know, talking with Connie, I think it was in her second, third episode. She's saying how bad it was here in Fort St. John growing up, and just you know, her and her siblings were fighting all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's the racism was so bad. Someone says something to you, you fight them. <laughs> yeah. um, which you know, I've you you hear that in communities across the board, but. I can't imagine, you know, during that time, you're talking 70s, 80s, 90s, yeah. even into the 2000s growing up at that point here mm-hmm. in, in smaller community where, you know, a lot of people are trying to push it away. Looking at it now in Fort St. John in general, I know you, I asked this about society and, and as a whole, but do you think with all the surrounding communities and the active thought process that we've talked about again earlier of, you know, our our brothers and sisters, we're all together, indigenous communities and Fort St. John, Doss Creek, mm-hmm. we're the peace region as a whole, Northeast BC as a whole. Do you think that, again, we're moving in the right direction here in the peace region in Fort St. John? Like, because... You know, you hear all these stories from, you know, people that you know of growing up, like again, in 70s, 80s, growing up in Fort St. John, to your story where you said it wasn't as bad, hoping that it's the, you know, this generation, it's even better. Do you think that it's like that way? Do you think we're moving in that path? Yeah, Uh, yeah, I think we're moving in the right direction for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not as fast as other places. Yeah. Because, uh, I don't know, it's quite a conservative um, oh yeah no it goes without um, saying yeah, yeah but uh i think it's moving in the right direction definitely like i can go out and around town and be proud of who i am and mm-hmm. of my long hair where my mom i don't think she could um she definitely could but she'd be scared of like you're always worried about someone saying something yeah, or be yeah discriminated comments. in some way yeah. or or not being able to use um not being able to use her credit card at a store in town when her and my dad were together and they had the, a joint account and he walked up to the teller and was like, is something wrong with my wife's card? And he's like, oh, no, there's no reason. But he was asking to see my mom's ID because she didn't, he didn't believe that she had a credit card, <laughs> which isn't all that long ago. Yeah, that's and I mean, I've heard so many different stories. Like, yeah. I mean, even to this day, there's situations where, um, you know, I will go out. You know, a lot of my friends here in Fort St. John are women and like we'll go somewhere or talk with someone and there will be situations where a person, usually a man, is just talking to me, even if I'm not the main person to talk to in that situation. Um, You know, it's just it's things that like I've it's almost like like shadow discrimination, like people were raised in Mm -hmm. a certain way that they, or like grew up in a certain way that they don't realize Mm -hmm. like something like that. Do you think, you know, I, this is a huge question again, but do you think there's a way to, to stop that? Even with racism, I don't think it's as Blake blatant now, but there's, it's It's secretive. Yeah. That's the thing is I'm reading this book right now called how to be an anti-racist. And most of it is, um, stemming from the States Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, black people. But it it definitely does talk about, you know, all of the the BIPOC. Um, And, you know, the biggest thing is is there's, like, almost levels to it of, like, nowadays it's more so, like, not minuscule. That's the wrong way to put it. But it's, like, um, there's blatant racism. Mm -hmm. And then there's, again, like you said, like, the secretive racism, where I still think is, is evident. How do we combat that? I mean, like, I'm not looking at you for a complete answer, but, like, in your opinion. Because in my thoughts, it's just 
the best thing I can do is gain my knowledge, mm-hmm. know what I'm doing, watching my language on how I'm phrasing things and what I'm saying to people and keep working on that for my whole life, hoping that it passes on to someone else. Or if I hear someone that maybe I'm close with who's saying something that is racist or discriminatory in any way that I'm not getting mad at them, but explaining to them why it's wrong and what mm-hmm. they're saying. Is there something like, is, is there anything that you're doing to actively do that? Like when you're, you're going, I, I guess just practicing your cultures and traditions itself and, and sharing your knowledge is one of those ways. Yeah. But is there anything that you're practicing every day to try and combat, you know, when you're on the streets of Fort St. John or in a certain situation? I know that's a big question and it's, it's fully loaded, but I, yeah. I just kind of want your thoughts on it, man. Like it's, it's, I don't think there's a, a, a proven, you know, correct answer. It's just, you know, what are you doing, I guess, to combat racism every day? I'm not sure. I'm mm-hmm. educating anybody that's willing to listen. Yeah. Like, uh, anybody that has open ears and they're like, Hey, like, uh, like, uh, they see like a less, less fortunate person on the street. And I'm like, Hey, like, they're like, Hey, like, what's up with that? I'm like, well, I'm like, maybe I know them personally. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll explain this right away. Like, yeah, they, they've been through, like, some shit. They have, like, serious trauma that they're um, trying to uh, treat that trauma with addictions. Because that's where mm-hmm. addictions stem from just... Uh, uh, You're trying to suppress. Yeah, suppress mm-hmm. or treat, like, self-treat yeah. um, trauma or anything you've been through. Yeah, these thoughts rattling around or like pains you have or anything like that. Like that's where it comes. And you know what? When we talk about it, it sounds like a simple definition. Sort of. And it is sort of. I mean, it's there's a lot to unpack there that I don't think we can fully speak on not experiencing it myself um, especially. But I mean – I guess it's just it it, it 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 pains me to think that like some people don't understand that yeah. you know what I mean like they can't have the empathy to like look or even like analyze that situation even if they don't have the empathy yeah. of like thinking of it on a bigger scale of what generational trauma is and like why substance abuse is linked to that as well with yeah. Canada's dark history and the mm-hmm. fucking colonizers yeah um so growing up, like just going back, how did you, like, did you practice your, do you think you were immersed in your, your culture growing up or like, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I know obviously Sam gave you the drum, as you mentioned yeah. when you were younger and you've kind of been drumming since you were young. Yeah. Was that kind of the only thing you had to keep your foot in the door other than going to the community and hanging out with people when you went with your mom and your dad and things like that growing up? Um, being immersed in the community. Um, speaking beaver in my house like mm-hmm. like uh like simple commands like eat put on your socks go to sleep be quiet the mm. biggest one <laughs> uh, how do you say be quiet uh naza it's like this naza hey you I tell it to my nephews naza naza hey you yeah. naza yeah it's like you be quiet <laughs> i'm gonna say that so much here in the office yeah. to the journalists yeah naza or Wayla. Wayla. Wayla is cut it out like quit it cut it out like, These aren't words you're using for your uh, radio show, are you? I don't want to ruin that for anyone who's listening to A Trail Ahead yeah, on Moose FM ahead. every Sunday at 1? 1? 1 p.m. And you have Beaver Word of the Day. Beaver is, Word of the Day. Is any of those words part of it? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so hold those on the back yeah. burner for anyone listening. We those are daily words to use whenever you want. So what was the other one you just said to me? Sorry. Wayla. Wayla. Cut it out. Cut it out. Yeah. Wayla. 
yeah. I'm gonna say that to so many people here in the office yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh. So you, so you were definitely getting was, pieces of your culture. Oh yeah, growing up. and then okay. like going out to the community. Um, I remember my favorite thing was it. Uh, uh, I re- I remembered when I was little. I memorized like my cousin or like my auntie's phone numbers, so I could call them and be like, ask what my cousin's doing, and be like, hey, can you bring them to town or can I come stay the night with you? Um. But I'd see their phone number and I'm like, yes. I'm like, mom, answer the phone, answer the phone. Like, it's Auntie Debbie. Like, let's go. And then um, she and then she'd answer the call and all I hear is, oh, you got a moose? Okay, we'll be out there soon. And I'm like, yes. Because as soon as anybody got a moose, I knew that I was going to get to stay there for two to three days and be able to uh, eat moose meat, hang out with all my cousins, have bone marrow, like fresh. Oh. Fresh off the animal. Like, it was walking yesterday and we're eating it. We're eating the marrow out of the bones like today. And it's like one of the richest things you could have. Dude, I had bone marrow a couple of years, like just tried it a couple of years ago. I heard it's so good for breakfast. Like all for the proteins. Breakfast. Yeah. I, well, heard, I guess so. Yeah, I heard because of the protein and everything, it's like one of the best things you can have for yeah. breakfast. That's why I skate so fast. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you got that one goal. <laughs> yeah, I got that one goal. Just legs, that's it. Well, that that's awesome because like when we have chatted before, I, I just wasn't at the assumption that you like didn't really practice like not that it wasn't there, mm-hmm. but you didn't practice as much so on top of you know you practicing in your household even the school system at that point you had indigenous the, teachers yeah, and the indi- social support or the native support workers were deadly yeah um, i'm not sure if i should name drop but i'm gonna say there was six of them six and of i them. remember every single one and there's really? like for good reasons yeah great reasons they're like straight anti-vibes right down to the core yeah nothing but love like you just go to them like for support or like anything so if you grew up not practicing your culture as much but you were still meeting these teachers these support workers Mm -hmm. do you think you would still have the love and be immersed in your culture as much as you are now was it like was it that impactful? Like that like say there was a kid who maybe when they go home they're not talking beaver, they're not going to, you know, their community, whether it be blueberry doig or whatever, maybe they're just seeing Fort St. John, they're not actively practicing it, but then at school they have the support workers and things like that. Yeah. Do you think that's enough to keep the tradition alive as well? It's pretty damn close. It's yeah. it's enough to push the kids in the right direction to make them have connections of like a um cultural fellas. There's this one fella, super cool dude, David Rattray. I've known him since I was little. Uh, he did like, he'd take all the indigenous kids that wanted to go in schools, um, indigenous or not, um, to like recreational sweats, and have them just be immersed in the culture, and like cultural activities and cultural um, uh, field trips at school. And it was like the coolest thing. So like, there is resources and there's like amazing people like David or. Um, that would, yeah. See, and that's the cool Show thing kids too. Their culture, and yeah. Like, and it's like you, you like you see this dude coming into school with this black leather jacket, and like he's got this beautiful long white hair, like kind of like how my hair is sitting right now, like yeah. beautiful long white hair, and he just he just walks with a sense of pride and like tells you about beauty and teaches you how to smudge and how to see and look and smell and think in beauty, and it's just like. Like, All I'm thinking about is George Desjardins and his long hair. Yeah. Where, I just seen him the other day. Where the heck? I don't know. I think he... Because um, he does come to Fort St. John a lot, I yeah. think. But I, I just... Because he was the one to tell... Like, when smudging, like, before... When I first found out about smudging when I was in high school, I would just have the person who showed me kind of, like, surround the room, surround me. And, like, George is the one who showed me how to, like, 
like take it and cleanse yourself yeah. like your hands first and then and then kind of spread it on your face and your body yeah. um and that's just to cleanse your whole not only your soul but your whole body like yeah. yourself as a whole right yeah. so that's cool that you know in what middle school even elementary you're there you're learning things like this yeah in middle school um i was in um miss Puddock's um Native class. I don't remember what the actual name of it was because I was twelve years old, um, <laughs> or I think I was. Yeah, I was twelve or thirteen. So um, and then it, we'd smudge every day, and then um. So you're learning like the class, the whole curriculum in the class was learning the traditions and culture. Traditions and culture, essential. like English studies. The books we were reading were by Indigenous authors. Fatty Legs, I think, was one yeah, of them. Oh, Chrissy Jordan um, Fenton. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, uh, reading. Yeah. Um, Social studies was like learning about um the uh, real rebellion, um, mm. learning about the westward um, uh, dude colonization I of Canada. I didn't learn any of this stuff in high school. Yeah. You know, like I graduated in 2010, and I did not learn like pretty yeah. much any of this. So it's it's cool because when did you graduate? 20, uh, 2018, actually. I was going to say 2018. Because I went to grade 13. So it's cool that like in the 2010s, oh. you know, 2010 to, to 2020, there is obviously a, a change across Canada, even before 216 are announced. I can only imagine now it's even better in terms of these opportunities within classrooms. You working um, with School District 60 in terms of curriculum and things like that. Have you heard of how it is? Um, and the opportunities that are available in school district 16 now for, for kids growing up? Oh, uh, no. Is it I, similar I, or I, different I to yours? I to go into the school and be like, hey, yeah. uh, like, what are you guys doing? Like, is there anything I can do to help? Mm. Anything I can offer? Like, any anything, like, any person from Doug that I can connect you with? Um, also. I'm sure anyone would be down for that. Uh, grade 11 social studies is uh, school district 60 just signed, may have signed something that is mandatory to learn about the local indigenous culture. That's awesome. Which I think that's that's so, so yeah, that's so important. Another BC for Nations twelve. I think it was an elective when I went is in school, but now it is mandatory, and it is super cool. And then uh, yeah, we're just trying to get trying to get our resources together to be like, hey, like this is um, this is local indigenous history, man. This is. And you guys are going to be a part of that. Like, obviously, you'll you'll probably work with all the other communities. Like, so in your job too, I was going to ask: Is are you working with other communities as well? Like, are you working with Blueberry? We do a lot of the stuff in house, but then like we have ladies from Blueberry come into the office all the time. Um, Like May and uh, Sandra, I'm assuming. I was going to say, I can't remember her name. We just bought like thousands of dollars of uh, recording of uh, crafts off of her. Beautiful, oh, oh, beautiful moccasins! Holy, man. yeah! If you guys want to see some, like, if you want to see something like pimp and like, come check out our showcase room. Uh, <laughs> I love that you say pimp all the time. Yeah. So, um, we'll get pictures of those to put on our Instagram for sure, for yeah. sure. Um, actually, you can just send them to us. Just take pictures and send them through to us. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we're we're winding down here. A couple of questions I have left is. I mean, this one could be very, very simple. Um, I don't even know if you have the answer for it, but what's the future hold for you, me, you, me? What's the future hold for us in general? As a, no, I'm just kidding. What does the future hold for you, dude? Like, you know, you're working with Doig now. It's been a year. Um, you're a drummer. You're you're doing a lot. Mm-hmm. What's the goal for you? Uh, my goal is to bring a sense of pride to the drumming culture. For the first thing, uh, bring. Uh, uh, give all the kids younger than me and older than me like something to be proud of as a done as our kid no matter where 
community you're from. Um, and uh, I try and be, I don't know, a good role model. Like that, role models that I've seen as a kid that I'm like, ah, oh, like, who's being role models now? Who's who's the role models to the next generation? I'm like, oh, shit, I guess that could be me. So, so those support workers you were talking about, yeah. do you model anything that you're actively doing off of like them because oh yeah. yeah i've learned so much from like like even like a sense of like tough love um uh hopefully there's a lady that'll be listening to this that knows exactly <laughs> who i'm talking about that'll make sure i'm in school and not going to oleos at lunchtime <laughs> but uh yeah like a sense of tough love a sense of pride um just uh um operating myself with a sense of empathy and love every day mm-hmm. and like you know, being have you ever thought about teaching kids man i i just think like you just have such a calm demeanor and you're very knowledgeable have you ever thought of like teaching kids or have you already did bro did you <laughs> no uh, oh. <laughs> the daycare in doig like in the summertime i was me and sam were going up there every day and like sometimes sam was busy or like it was just me and my mom going and then i was like teaching them how to count to 10 or, mm-hmm. uh in beaver yeah yeah that's cool yeah um, I mess up five and seven are tricky. I always get them backwards. What are they? Uh, uh, Test. Klige, okechi, tachi, genchi, okechi. Okechi. Um, oh, man. I'm drawing a blank. And then I think seven is kilakechi, or that's nine. Oh, it's the H-E that messes it up? Oh, that's the first, like... Oh, three okay. syllables yeah yeah okay that's crazy yeah. man so uh, man you're learning along with the kids then when yeah, you're out there. half the time yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so awesome man i mean i feel and i know you're probably thinking this is this is essentially what you said is any position you're in you're going to be practicing these things that you just mentioned yeah. that empathy that sharing that knowledge yeah. and making sure that you know um anyone that is open to it is taking it in right oh yeah Especially with the show, man. Congratulations. I never, because we've worked closely here, um, I've never said that to you, but congratulations on the show, dude. It's Thanks, it's man. It's crazy. I, I, I kind of went in like eyes closed, head first, can't lose. No, man, I, was like, it, I was like, holy shit. Like, I'm uh, and, like seeing it, like posts about it, and I'm like, this is real. Like, I have a radio show. What the hell? What dude, doing? It, it sounds so good. Like, I, I've even got a, a couple other episodes that I've heard that no one else has yet, which is really awesome. So, hey. Uh, anyone listening i don't know why i got super tough in there but listen a trail ahead sundays moose fm 1 p.m yeah learn yourself something yeah why don't you you know you're sitting on the couch why don't you get up and listen to trail i don't know you're busy on a sunday it'll be released as a podcast yeah yeah on all streaming services i think uh yeah it'll be on uh, wherever you get your podcasts as well as you can get it on moosefm.com and i think we're gonna have it on energeticcity.ca too because we have a brand of our podcasts are from energetic city yeah. but this is like the first moose fm one outside of moose talks yeah. so it's like coming from the shows and making it into yeah. a podcast version but yeah it's gonna be everywhere man and i'm i'm super stoked for you it seems like you have so many opportunities and so many things that you're just dude you're not saying no either right yeah. like it could have been so easy for you with no radio experience to say no, I'm good, but you're... Oh, I thought that every day coming in. I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't know. So what kept you going? Was it the fact that it's going to be heard by people, that it's a chance that you can share your knowledge? Because that's what I get from it. Like, it seems like you just want to share it to everyone and you just want... Yeah, you, I want to have indigenous issues um, brought to light in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, education brought out to the greater, greater public in... Uh, I think a quote you said to our Indigenous Voices reporter was... Um, to to tell indigenous history 
out without the colonizer voice i might misquote and just paraphrase there it was something along those lines i I don't remember Uh, it was something along those indigenous history and stories from an indigenous point of view there we go that's a better way of saying it um yeah man so you know the end of the question that we always ask i know you've already said what reconciliation means to you when you uh actually your first foray on your first guest appearance on the podcast was um during uh, the reconciliation day last month yeah. or last month last oh, year when jenna it's a federal went, holiday now man yeah mm-hmm. it is and you uh you spoke with jenna who's just getting kind of sound bites from people yeah. uh, um, telling her what reconciliation means to them and it was kind of a short little clip um your mom was on there as well yeah. i believe all this work you've done since then with doig with drumming the travel you've done has your answer changed Oh yeah, my, I think my answer to what reconciliation is will constantly evolve, like um, as it should. Yeah, I think the word should evolve, in my opinion. But I, so I was writing a story the other day. I was editing one. I, I believe it was our Indigenous Voices Voices reporters story, and uh, I just hate saying reconciliation so much because I just think reconciliation pretty silly, man. Yeah, I I think the power of the word is gone, in my yeah. opinion. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. Maybe some people disagree, and and that's totally fine. But you know what the problem is? I don't know what other word to use. It's like now just a part of my vocabulary Mm -hmm. for coming together with indigenous communities and non-indigenous, Canada in general, specifically the government and indigenous communities. So it's like, yeah, it's just the words used so much. and, And I don't know another word to use, right? But... Um, I mean, that can be a, an episode for later on. I'm mm-hmm. sure that conversation will keep coming up. I think we need to find another word, but I can never, like, I don't like saying it. I don't yeah. like beating it into the sand because now it just seems like it's too easy and it just seems like some people are annoyed with it. Yeah. But then there are others, like, I think we've only had one or two guests on before the piece in the last year and a bit who have said something against the word. Right, and one of them that stands out to me, and Jenna and I have talked about this before, was Christy Jordan Fenton. Mm-hmm. She talked about reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Right, everyone uses this yeah. word, and is like, if you say this word, then it means you're 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 down for for um, you know equal opportunities, and you're yeah, you're down you're not for just an ally. You're an accomplice. Yeah, that you're 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 an ally. You're accomplice, but it's just like, where's the action? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of how she phrased it. Hopefully I'm not ruining it too much on her explanation because it was wonderful. But, you know, it's we have to actively do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. This podcast is one of them. And I'll, I will pat myself and Jenna on the back all day long of like, mm-hmm. hey, we're not here to tell people um, what we know and tell them that it's, you know, this is concrete proof of whatever. We're actively just having conversations mm-hmm. like you and me or, yeah, I'm asking you these conversations about your life, but we're just shooting the shit, mm-hmm. right? Like we're just yeah. two buddies hanging out and, and yeah. learning about just your life, not yeah. mine. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I, I think there is another word. It's just finding it, right? And and I, But then the problem is, is that word then going to get beat to death, right? Like, I don't think there will ever be another word outside of reconciliation. It's just, for me, I want to practice explaining it and, mm-hmm. and and the action that needs to, to happen for it, right? Does that make sense? Like, I, I, I definitely, yeah. I don't know. So what are your thoughts on the, on the word reconciliation? And the yeah, meaning it, of it to you, too. Yeah. The meaning of it, sure. Yeah, like reconciliation means like reconciling past wrongdoings and all mm-hmm. that. I think that's what I said like last year. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like the word has been beat to death mm-hmm. in 
pieces of legislation where they're going at it like um we're trying to reconcile wrongdoings but then they don't actually do anything worthwhile so it's like oh yeah like if that's what your definition is that if that's what you're doing for reconciliation then why should anybody else do anything more what do you think needs to be done between indigenous communities and canadians in general just the non-indigenous just canadians canadians as a whole what do you think we need to do to continue to heal I think that's a better way of putting it. Uh, being such of a us and them and being a, oh, us as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, like even saying, it seems weird for me saying Canadians and then indigenous communities, right? Like we're all Canadians. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a part of it too is also correcting ourselves yeah. on like, hey, we're together in this. Is yeah. that That's essentially what you're meaning. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, like we're all together in this. Um, yeah, sure. We might not live in the same communities, but we are... Um, like even everybody that's listening to this in the peace re- region, you are a treaty person. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us are. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just saying that uh, we're all we're all um, one and the same. Like yeah, sure, we all have our personal differences, and like sure, you might like look different. Like I got long hair, you don't got so much long hair. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> because <laughs> I'm balding. <laughs> I would love to have your hair. <laughs> yeah. I'm just scared of that too. That's- yeah, one day it might. Really dude, I'm going George Costanza on us, yeah. dude. But uh, yeah, yeah, being no, not not so much of a us and them. Oh, those people over there, those that that native community over there, they're um, this. It's like no, like they're they're our neighbors, man. Like, mm-hmm. um, if our reserve wasn't taken from under our feet in the 1945, um, we would have been literally neighbors. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. It changes definitions all the time. I don't know what we can do to, like, as Canadians as a whole, to heal together, educate each other, have be understanding with each other. Patience, right? Patience. I think. Yeah. I think part of it too. You know, yeah, we don't like the word reconciliation, but it still holds. It holds weight in terms of you know everyone knows what it is, and then it branches off into residential schools it branches off into you know you talk about orange shirt day and the meaning behind orange shirt day and things like that like i think it still holds power i just think uh people are getting sick of it but do you think we have to be patient towards that word too do you think like it still will hold importance in the future yeah i think it still will yeah Um, maybe not necessarily hold patience for it but Instead of being patient, do something. Yeah, yeah, I uh, guess so. Yeah, yeah. Go visit the Indigenous Artist Market. Like, just it's just across the street. No, it's a block away. It's from a couple here. blocks away from here. Yeah. yeah, like go visit there. Go chat with. I don't know. You got a local Native homie? Yeah. Be like, hey man. Ask questions. Yeah, ask some yeah. questions. Be like, hey, where? You, like, tell me something about Charlie Lake. Go visit Charlie Lake Cave mm-hmm. House in the summertime. Uh, the upgraded trails. Um, you live in Hudson Soap. Go check out the museum there. There's um. There is a uh, a First Voices exhibit there. There was. It might be gone now. Super cool, though. Um, done by First Peoples Cultural Council. There was an exhibit. At I remember the, hearing about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Tote Museum there. Um, they have a drum sitting in one of their showcases. Um, now, it does that in that case, it says it is a Dene drum. Uh, or it says it's a, a Dunaza drum. It is a Dene drum. Mm-hmm. There's like some differences. Like They have their snare on the outside. Uh, Denizos drums snares are on the inside and I, mm. I tried to correct the lady there and I was like uh, that thing that's wrong and then she was like uh, I don't know so maybe I have to go instead of just like 
somebody visiting the museum go there as a um, cultural heritage and language liaison and be like, hey, listen, like, um, like this is kind of wrong. You should probably represent. Yeah, this. to put the right information. Yeah, yeah, put, out yeah there. put the right information on there. Like, mm-hmm. like hey, we're not. I didn't come here to fuck around. You know? <laughs> <laughs> One thing I try to practice too is like. Say I'm at the airport, North Peace Regional Airport, right? And they have, you know, um, there's the the Chetwin carving, the chainsaw carving there, the wood carving. There's, like, some other uh, pieces for, that were donated from Doig, I think, or just maybe from the museum. One step I take is always reading what they are and what, like, looking at them, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a piece, too, is... It's just have an intrigue, man. It's just, yeah. it's really trying to have an interest. And even yeah. if you don't, it's just being conscious yeah. of In the airport, there's a fat, like four foot wide drum on the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, next time you walk under that, look at the names on there. If you recognize any of the names mm. and know somebody with that last name, ask them about where they got their last name from. Like uh, this place called Attachy Flats. That'll probably be set, flooded pretty soon. So, um, it was named after this Chief Hitachi, mm-hmm. who was one of like the first important family heads here when like the first HBC fort was built down at the old fort. Wow. Yeah. There's so much history here. And, like So it, much. It's like we're all learning more and more. Yeah. Like I just, like a couple weeks ago, really learned about the history of the Montany. Yeah. Especially the court cases with, you know, Jerry Hitachi was a big part of and yeah. the veterans and just how they, you know. Yeah. There's resources it, you there. got, You know, the... Uh, the beaver people essentially got screwed over because of lack of communication Mm -hmm. because no one wanted to understand them. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is asking these questions and having these conversations and being intrigued and, and having patience and not frustration towards different cultural practices and, and different, you know, just different things going on in outside of, your way of life is going to help us grow mm-hmm. as a community, uh, you know, as a whole. Every person Everyone, grow as an right? individual. Yeah, hundred percent. Trail. I loved this conversation yeah. so much, dude. We'll definitely have you on again. I mean, obviously, I need you and Sam on because we want to have a full on drum episode. I know we we kind of teased it a little bit yeah. with your Ooh, with your history. I tease it on the radio show because I want him to get him. I want to get him, dude. Soon. Okay, but you can't. You the songs that you do on the radio, you have to do different ones on the podcast. You and Sam. Oh man, there's a repertoire of hundreds. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just just to yeah. put a point out there. Trail man, we're gonna have you on again. I appreciate you so much, dude. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> Make sure you guys subscribe to Before the Peace using your favorite podcast app, or you can go to energeticcity.ca slash podcasts. If you have a guest or program idea, email us at beforethepeace at energeticcity.ca. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.